Hello, and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I'm Lucas Stock. And I'm Jens Nelson. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology in the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. It is November 2nd, 2021, (laughs) when this episode releases, which means uh, we have finished our second annual October Heresy Bonanza. I think the title changes every time I try and say it. but it was great. I feel like, you know, I had a little bit of interesting reflections at the end there that might have sounded like I was a little down on the idea. But overall, looking back, I mean, it was, it was if nothing else, it was a blast like yeah, it was last sure. year. Um, I really like turning it into a tradition. I feel like that's super fun. And we should do more traditions, like our bonus episode that we released on Sunday, which was October 31st, the anniversary of the 95 Theses. We read the 95 Theses, talked a little bit about that as a little bonus to commemorate Reformation Day or whatever else you want to call it. Nothing Day, just to re- an excuse to read the 95 Theses, that's fine too. But we are in November, and uh, we are in a new month. We are done with our heresy month, so we're moving on to new topics. Bigger and better things, maybe? I don't know. We'll see. But today we're talking about something that... Uh, I feel like it's one of those things that I've probably thought about ever since I was a kid, or at least heard people like other kids talk about maybe. I, I don't know. I can't remember like a specific time that I asked my mom this or, you know, a friend in like fourth grade brought this up or something. You, you know, like it seems like the kind of question that it it won't take long if if you're like teaching Sunday school or working with kids in the church kind of a thing or youth, this seems like some variation of this question is going to come up pretty quickly. And that's not to say that only kids should be asking this question, but I do think it's one of those kind of like innocent wonderment type questions for sure, that has to do sure. with with the Bible, with our faith, with, with uh, the future, you know, for Christians, that we don't get to flip to a certain chapter and verse to be able to give them a nice, clean answer. It's one of those ones that requires a little bit more brain power, I think, to to think through the data points that we do have in Revelation and, and to think through sort of what what that means. But we're going to talk a little bit about will blank be in heaven? We've got a few things to fill in that blank. So, you know, we're not just talking about whether or not one certain thing or activity or whatever will be in heaven. But um, instead of just going down a big, huge list of possible things, we're going to kind of like talk a little bit about maybe like what is heaven? What, what, what do we know about heaven that can inform, you know, how we think about what it's going to look like to be there in terms of these specific earthly objects or, you know, activities or whatever? Um, and kind of like lay some groundwork from that perspective and then use that to kind of help us fill in that blank a little bit and be like, oh, will my pet be in heaven? Will we have a job in heaven? You know, things like that. Um, so let's kind of start with that. What, what do we, I guess, you know, what do we know about heaven? What are the kinds of things we know about heaven? Um, what is heaven? I don't know. How do we want to start that yeah. part of the conversation? Well, I will say we have an entire episode that is called What is Heaven? We also have a companion episode called What is Hell? So if you want a more in-depth conversation, go search those up. They're maybe three or four months old at this point. Um, so I don't think we need to necessarily go into the deep, nitty-gritty details. Uh, but I think from that episode, we concluded that 
heaven is not just some location up in the clouds where we're going to live um, divorced, separated from our bodies. Uh, but when we, when we talk about heaven, we mean the future state um, after Christ returns, after the judgment of the living and the dead. So we're not necessarily saying, uh, what does it look like to die and go be with the Lord? That's, that's not what we're asking in this episode. Uh, what we're asking is like in, in glory, in the future, when we are with Christ forevermore, what does that look like? And we, we had said in that episode that we're going to live on a new earth within the new heavens. And so, um, you know, Christ says many times, you know, behold, I'm making all things new. Um, so I, at least for me, that's sort of like my framework for this entire conversation. We're talking about living on a new earth where Christ has made all things new, where there's no more sin, no more death, no more tears. Uh, so in light of that, what is it going to be like? Will, will we have things like alcohol, tobacco, marijuana, jobs, uh, etc.? Uh, because if we're, if we're living in a new world, a perfected world, a world that Christ has recreated, made new, free from sin, what, what is that going to be like? Are we just going to be floating around with, uh, you know, harps and uh, angel robes? Or, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things that we could speculate. And I do think in some sense, some of what we're saying is speculation because we don't have chapter and verse in scripture saying, oh yeah, 2 Corinthians 12, 2 says we're going to have cars or pets. You know what I mean? Um, but, but... But you mentioned Martin Luther, um, that episode we did on his 95 Theses, and I brought up the question uh, because he, he uses the words reason and scripture, and I found it interesting that he first mentions reason and then scripture as opposed to like using scripture and our reason to understand something. And so I think as rational uh, human beings, as people with wills and the ability to, to reason, to think, there is a certain amount of reason uh, some some deduction that can be done to determine if some of these things might be in heaven. Um, because all things have been made new, because the world is no longer full of sin, uh, perhaps if these things are in glory, they're slightly modified, they don't have the same effect. That, that's a different conversation. But that's at least kind of what I wanted to say at the outset, because I think that lays the groundwork. When we're talking about heaven, we're talking about the future, uh, the eternal state, not just like where your body goes after you die right now, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we do immediately, we're going to jump to passages in Revelation that talk about this new creation. Not only that there is a new creation and that there is a new heavens and a new earth, but we get glimpses and descriptions of the new Jerusalem that that has streets of gold, clear as glass, and there's the river that flows um from it, the river of life, and there's the tree, uh, the tree of life with the, the leaves for the healing of the nations. There's, you know, he's wiping away every tear. You know, these, these, these very well known and, and rightfully so passages of that. You know, I mean, it's hard to say that it's like a, you know, it's not like it's an atlas for the new heavens and new earth, but certainly there are specific places, especially those passages in Revelation, where we see these prophetic visions of that future eternal state um which which is which is different um than the past eternal state or the current state that we live in temporally and we don't need to pretend that it's we we can't pretend that it's not different obviously we're, we're in perfect communion with our lord where you know it, it's made new all things are made new you know it's it's not just 
it's not even just this world with a better relationship to God, which would be great, but it's it's a new world, right? And I think that that is sort of a, you know, at least at least to start, at least as far as 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 I have and you know at my disposal, I think it's like maybe maybe. I don't want to make too strong of a statement and then be proven to be wrong later, but it it is a really good guiding principle to start with, well, where we're going to be is a new heavens and new earth. So the question for me is, okay, so it's a new heavens and new earth. What is the connection or relationship that the new heavens and the new earth will have to the old heavens and the old earth? And I think it seems pretty obvious that things are not identical. <laughs> um, in Revelation, John talks about the sun and the, and the moon don't, don't rise and set anymore. There's no temple because uh, Christ himself is the temple, right? Um, which implies that there is this, un, this unmediated communion with, with the Lord as it was before. Um, sort of restored and, and, and expanded in the New Jerusalem. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've got, you know, very otherworldly descriptions of the, like, structure and geography of the New Jerusalem. And a lot of that is symbolic. A lot of that doesn't necessarily imply that we're all going to live in one city that's shaped like a cube and has this many cubits thick walls and all that kind of stuff i'm not saying that there isn't going to be a new jerusalem that looks exactly like that but the point is it is a very otherworldly description and and on top of the very extravagant sounding city it's descending from the heavens dressed like a bride like i just think like regardless of how we take the new jerusalem in terms of its literary role that it's playing in the book it's clearly a very otherworldly thing that john is describing but it is a city with streets made of gold, with uh, the gates are made of pearls and these precious stones. It has walls that are measured. So there are these very, like, this-worldly ways that John is trying to describe this incredibly otherworldly um, vision that he has that seems to be what characterizes his vision of the new heavens and the new earth, right? Like, when we get to the end of Revelation and he's talking about this, this you know, after the judgment, the second death has already occurred, you know, like we get past all of that stuff. We're kind of at the, the last chapter or two where this is, this is when he's describing the new heavens and the new earth. The main thing is he's describing this new Jerusalem. So the main thing he's getting at is at the same time continuous and discontinuous with our own experience because we can read it. And we can have a mental picture of what he's getting at because he's not describing like these like ineffable mysteries that human language has no, you know, <laughs> has no bearing on. And it's just like gibberish, but it is very odd. Like it's not like any city we've ever seen, I think is, is probably safe to say. And I think that that's also kind of an interesting insight, but uh, I don't want to say it's an interesting insight so much as it's potentially an interesting line of reasoning to look at the ways in which this is very different, but it's also, it's not, it's not disconnected yeah. from our current experience. Well, I mean, and you I can even use the comparison 
you can almost use a comparison of the Christian life. You know, the you're a, you are a new creation. You have been made new in this life, not perfected yet, um, but you're able to look back at your past life, see the dissimilarities to how you're living now, but also the very real just similarities. So there, yeah. like you, like you're saying, we can use human language in a way to describe how things are different and, and yet similar, uh, if not quite the same. Yeah. And another thought that I have just in terms of kind of thinking about like, what do I think about quote unquote heaven when I'm, when I'm trying to think about like, oh, will this be there is, is I think back to Genesis one and two and the description we have of the creation of the world is that's a world where sin doesn't exist. That's a world where communion with God has not been broken. It's not been severed. Um, communion with each other have, has not been broken and severed. Um, there, there's no pain and sorrow to, to wipe the tears away yet in Genesis 2. You know, we don't, we don't get that yet. It's not very long before we get it, but it's not there yet. And it is earth, you know? Like, again, it's, it's, it's very clear that what is being described is the creation of our world. Like, that's the whole point of that <laughs> section of Genesis. And, and yet God walked in the cool of the garden. Right, and yet God called it uh, very good, and he and he completed his work and rested on the seventh day. And I don't believe that the new heavens and the new earth and the restoration of all things and the consummation of self and the redemption of the cosmos in Christ Jesus at the end, that after the judgment, like I don't believe that that is merely restoring us back to Eden. But I don't think it's less than restoring Eden. I think it is restoring us back to Eden and then fulfilling what Eden was supposed to be, which was a fruitful and multiplied garden that was expanding across the world. You know, well, we weren't ever supposed to leave Eden because everything was going to be Eden, so to speak. And if we're talking biblical theology, like the, the, the discipline, Eden shows up time and time and time again yeah. in Scripture. It, Eden is a mountain Jerusalem is on a mountain. The temple yep. is like the, the the temple in Jerusalem is structured based on Eden. There's Edenic, you know, uh, symbols all throughout. Yep. And so even to describe New Jerusalem is almost yeah. to say a new Eden, a new creation yeah. of that which was before. And I mentioned before we see a tree in the New Jerusalem, and what is that tree? It's the tree of life. Which right. was in Eden, you know, and and ultimately, you know, I think I think from 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 in some perspective, for some some uh, in some aspects, I think we can say that that Christ is that tree, right? Um, but but that doesn't mean that there there isn't really a tree that's going to be there. I, but my point being exactly what you're saying. There there we are. The church is this the the church, which is the kingdom of God, the New Jerusalem, is this this restoration of Eden, this 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 foretaste of the you know I I, I use this <laughs> phrase in a in a text earlier I I, I kind of like it even though it's a bit of a annoying thing to try to type but the the re Edenization of the world right that is sort of the the end of mankind in Christ but what's so amazing about reading the end of Revelation is like it's kind of like like that's finally fulfilled but he doesn't stop there. Because it's even better because it's the New Jerusalem. You know, it's not and just Christ the New is Eden. there. It's the New Jerusalem, and we don't need Eden, which was a temple, a garden temple. But 
we don't need the temple anymore because he's there, right? And so, so obviously there's we could we should do a we should do a freaking Eden episode, dude. Yeah. But but like it th- that is a really important principle to me because we see the like the connection that continuity between the current or old heavens and new and and earth with the new heavens and earth. Um, we actually get to see a brief uh, moment in scripture where that's kind of what things are like. Yeah. You know, like before it became the old heavens and the old earth, like heaven and earth as we know it was perfect (laughs) before it was, before it was stained with sin and subject to corruption. And we know from Romans that the whole creation was put in bondage, um, not just human beings. Um, It was the place that God made where his creation, us, his, those made in his image dwelt in perfect communion with him you know and, and like like he walked in the cool of the in the in the uh he walked in the garden and in the cool of the day or, or whatever that that verse is 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 i think it's so easy to like overlook or or like to to see but to kind of miss like i think the implications of that because it's like it's weird that that is there before this is before john one Right. This is before the Word became flesh. This is before Luke Luke two when Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Right. Like, but God's there walking around. Right. And that says a lot about our theology. I, I think in terms of our the 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 end, the telos, the the reason that we were made, communion with with God, and what communion with God means. Um, and I think also it says a lot about about what it means for the word to become flesh and and dwell among us you know hmm. when we see because because you know i would i would contend the first time we see god dwelling among us is in genesis 2 you know um and he's not able to do so like that again until christ but he doesn't it's not finished yet you know like like he he really did become flesh, and he really did dwell among us. But he but it it it's not over yet. It's it's here. It's already, but not yet. You know that mm. that constant <laughs> back and forth, and yeah. and that not yet part is when that's finally forevermore. All the barriers have been removed because sin has been finally defeated and 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 put in the grave, and and the grave has been defeated, and we're finally with him again. You know, and and so like these these principles what hasn't been mentioned yet is this is all a physical world you yeah. know going back to that heaven episode you know first corinthians 15 and the importance of the physical resurrection like is 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 a big you know key point here um adam and eve were physical beings right they lived in a perfect world that god made you know um all right to be to be technical i won't say perfect i'll say it was good it was very good you know um it was the way god made it to be um and they had perfect relationship with each other. They had perfect relationship with nature um, in terms of tending and keeping the garden and and the animals that were there, which we know at least were there. They at least came to visit because Adam named them, you know. So um, they're seen, and he didn't get eaten or trampled or just completely ignored by these animals because they all walked by him, you know. So like there was some kind of harmony with creation that that has been taken away like the thorns and thistles and the you know getting food by the sweat of your brow instead of this just abundance of fruit that's that's available to you to eat freely you know um and perfect communion with god in the midst of all that 
uh, not in some disembodied floating spirit sense, but in a spiritual embodied sense, um, which is the way that God made things, you know, right. and that's, that's not going to change, which is not to rehash what we've talked about before in terms of other episodes, like the, the, the physicality of the new heavens and the new earth. But I think that that is a very important principle if we're starting to ask questions about, okay, which I think we can maybe start to get into these questions. Will blank be in heaven? Hmm. These principles of, of, of this element of continuity, physicality, this sort of restoration of Eden as, as sort of the, the, the framework of what the new heavens and the new earth are going to look like, I think gives us some handholds to start asking some of these questions. At the very yeah. least, at the very least, to start answering some of these questions and to give some good considerations that might need some further thought and development and testing against other elements of scripture that we've um, passed over or, or forgot about or, you know, other theological, philosophical, whatever kind of concerns. But um, those are more like the principles that I'm going to be working with if, you know, in here and then in general, someone comes up to me and says, hey, will my pet cat be in heaven? Well, the way I answer that is gonna it's gonna be it's gonna hinge on these things. Yeah, you know? agreed. Yeah, I the first thing I want to say before we start answering is like, wow, did sin have insidious, far-reaching effects? I mean, when you consider what we had before the fall, and then when you consider just the the fraction, like the the the, the obliteration of how things were and what has come to be, um, you know, the fact that there is tension between animals and creation and humans uh, the fact that the ground you know bears thorns and thistles and that job that job that god gave to adam and eve to work and keep the garden that i mean in some sense that was a duty to be done pre the fall which w- would have been done probably relatively i mean like quote unquote easily but after sin has entered into the world it's i mean it's straining it's working against the ground it's working against the elements and the creatures as they come and try to take your crop and so forth um and so i I like that you mentioned that this world is going to be embodied because as we live in this world again we're not just going to be some sort of spirit or blob or, or just some amorphous thing like we will be in resurrected perfected bodies and i don't know what that looks like is everyone going to just appear to be the age that they died is everyone going to appear to be 30 you know in the prime quote-unquote prime of life i that i don't know i don't know what sort of i mean I, i have to wonder you know adam and eve at least we can deduce from scripture that when they were created they weren't infants there would have been nobody necessarily there to care for them uh but perhaps they were built not built, but created as f- fully formed men and women. So are we, are, are we going to live similarly without the, uh, you know, ability to age? Those are those, that's just really getting into speculation. But on this conversation of will blank be in heaven? If we're, if we're going to talk about discontinuity, there is something that we know from scripture that will not be the way that it is here. Um, you know, Jesus says that, uh, that, in, in glory that there will be no marriage, that they will not be, they'll be like the angels, not given or taken in, in, in marriage, which is a very interesting, I think, aspect of, of the new world to come that is greatly different from the world as we know it, where people are married all the time. I mean, I'm married, you're married, most of our friends are probably married, uh, but that's not the way that it's going to be forever. 
uh, one of the first theology books that I ever read was actually This Momentary Marriage by John Piper. And that was like the whole premise of the book is that that this this thing called marriage is momentary. This is not how it always will be. So how do we use this momentary thing for God's eternal glory? Um, That's a whole different conversation. But I at least thought it was worth mentioning the discontinuity and the way that things are going to be different from the way that we know things now. But I'll push back a little bit. I actually don't think that means that, for example, our marriages will be dissolved. Mm, interesting. I, per, admittedly, this is this is comes from a very strong desire to see this in the text. <laughs> I prefer to see the idea that there are no new marriages in heaven. Okay, that's fair. So, like the uh, that's other why... than the marriage of Christ and His Church, of course, but. But as far as individual members of, of the church being, you know, and I think that this comes from the, whether we're all the same age, you know, or what, I, I don't think that the human life cycle will continue the way that it does here on earth in our life, you know. So from that perspective, we'll be like the angels, like, like, we're not going to like, be born, be small, grow up, mature, get old, die, you know, that cycle, which requires marriage, you know, like the, the, the existence of humanity, the continue, or I guess the continued existence of humanity, at least requires marriage. Um, but that isn't there anymore. So that's what I prefer to see again. I'm going to own my own, you know, just personal desire to not have my marriage ended not that it's going to be a problem for me if it does end up being there once i'm there but (laughs) in the meantime i'd like to think that i get to enjoy heaven with my brothers and sisters um and and with those brothers and sisters who i know in this life obviously i don't know the vast majority but those that i do I, i want to believe that our relationships continue into heaven not the exact same you you, you know because we're not the exact same we're glorified and we're we're fully um fully redeemed but um that you and i won't just be fellow brothers in in the new city but we will have the joy of entering into it together as those who were on this path together Mm. on earth yeah, and that's Which, interesting. It I'm, sounds really nice, but I can't like go to scripture to back it yeah. up. So I so I, I I hold that I hold that in humility and loosely because I just <laughs> I just feel like I have to like add that caveat, but yeah. that's what I that's what I choose to believe. <laughs> yeah, and that's interesting because it, it brings up a couple of like further questions, you know, will there be so if there well, I don't mean to be crass. I'm just going to say it. Like will there be sex? Uh and if so, will children be, you know, be a result of that will, will there be offspring produced in the new heavens and the new earth you know if we're, if we're talking about all things being made new um you know adam and eve lived in a world where be fruitful and multiply was a command pre the fall pre the fall right right so will will that same thing will, will there be fruit like will we be fruitful will we multiply but without sin who kn- i mean at this point again it's speculation we can't know the only thing is the only thing is, 
the, the text that I mentioned is Matthew 22, and it's where the Sadducees come to him about the resurrection. They bring up this, like, ridiculous scenario of, like, mm-hmm. a man dies, has no children, his brother marries his wife to raise up offspring, and, you know, there's seven brothers. They all, like, you know, they die, marry, die, marry. So this woman has had, it sounds like, seven husbands, uh, and then they all die, bear no children, and then the woman dies. So in the resurrection... Whose wife will she be in heaven? For they all married her, right? And Jesus answers, You are mistaken because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry or are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. So, like, that was what I was thinking of. I, you know, I, I don't know what that means. So, does, like, like, so, like, to your point, does that mean that in glory, there will be no further marriages? So, like, those who are united together will continue to be united together. Um, and I do know, admit that that a surface-level reading of the text pushes pretty strongly against what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just one of... I mean, this is, again, it's it's sort of just fun to talk about and to sort of work yeah. through these things by reason and by scripture with, with theological thinking. Um, so we've already sort of talked... We've, we've covered marriage a little bit. We've, we've maybe even covered children, childbearing, being fruitful and multiplying. Um, let's get into some like other interesting ones. Um, maybe we'll start a little bit easier here. Uh, as far as jobs go, um, I, I'm curious what you think about this one. You know, Obviously, we're not going to be working against the sweat of our brow. It's not going to be... You know, the ground won't be producing thorns and thistles. But because I think that we will eat and drink in heaven, which is also something on our list here, I do think that we're going to eat and drink. Um, In some sense, I think that that would require cultivation. I mean, I guess Christ could magically conjure up anything he wants because he feeds the 5,000 and basically does that on this earth. Um, So maybe we don't work and Christ just, you know, causes everything to appear and we have a marriage supper of the lamb that it was all just magically produced um, or perhaps we do have roles and responsibilities but again not affected by the stain of sin so we we, we grow corn and apples and bread and grapes and these things are done joyfully and with with gladness as we share in communion and love and I think, again, feast together. So, I mean, do I think that I'm going to have the job that I have right now? Not really. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think that there's going to be, you know, stockbrokers in heaven or anything. Um, but I do think that we'll at least but, have, like, yeah. But will there be things like cities that have houses that, that need to be built? That need to be built or need to be repaired? Not because of, like, decay and sin and destruction and that kind of thing but just like maintained right or because like, of raging parties that we're gonna have of course all the time of course um and hmm. like public trans i don't know like like a train like like a like a subway or uh boats you know or or um um i, I can't even think you know like like other things that need to be they need to be constructed you know alongside like like cultivation of of crops or land or 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 animals you know i don't don't know but like like the the construction of like like (sighs) 
Well, you're, you're gonna you're live in a city. Well, you're bringing up another good point. Is like, will everything be as it is and then remain that way forever, or just It'd like just society has like evolved? Yeah. Like, will we have further evolution of, of of cities, of landscapes, of whatever? Because you know, it's coming down. And it has some sort of recognition, I think, at the very least. We see this new Jerusalem, even if it doesn't necessarily have the temple. Um, I, I don't know. Or, or are we going to get a world that is sort of um, not without form and void, um, but not fully to its formed potential? Because, you know, we're going to be there to cultivate and to build it up. That's, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think what's like, when if someone says to me, will I have a job in heaven? Like, immediately... What I want to say is no, but what I don't mean is like we're not going to cultivate and keep Hmm. or, you know, shout out Dr. Wexler, worship and obey, you know, but like, will we, you know, whether or not those words mean worship and obey, like he had to cult, he had to work, he was in the garden, so there was cultivation as well. But the point is like, will we, like, it's sort of a cheeky kind of pedantic answer, but like, I don't think we'll have jobs. And because I don't you won't a have job, a nine to five. I don't think a job is a very like good thing. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. kind of just like, well, we have to live. We have to produce food and electricity and, you know, deal with people's uh, health needs. And, um, you, you know, like like we can think about all the things that people do for 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 occupations and stuff like that. And it's like, well, you know, that to me, I think I think jobs as we think of them are are a sort of a modern society thing but b a kind of an example i would think of the thorns and thistles where we have to work hard to produce all the things that we have right the things we need and even the things we want those things don't just they're not just easy to produce they, they take they take a great deal of, of hardship and pain um and since that won't be true I kind of want to be like, well, no, you won't have a job, but you might like do work. And that that's kind of, like I said, kind of a pedantic way of saying it. Like another way of saying it that's maybe a little less annoying is like, imagine if you even could jobs that have no hardship or pain associated with them. You know, like, like imagine farming where, and I, it's not like I'm a farmer, so I don't, I don't even know what regular farming is, but imagine farming with no weeds and thorns and thistles where the ground is not resistant. Um, everything is, 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 is lush and fertile and well watered, you know, imagine farming in that kind of a scenario where that's always true. (laughs) You never have to worry about soil nutrients. You never have to worry about pests. You never have to worry about water not being not being enough water in the in a season you know like all that kind of stuff it's like i would have to imagine farming would sound a lot more relaxing (laughs) if if that was the case so so it's like i'm not like when i I, you know i'm gonna stick with my hair splitting way of speaking because that's just more fun but like no i'm not gonna have a job and i'm certainly not gonna resent my work or dread it but the work that I'm going to be called to do might be as simple as worshiping God in, in, you know, the heavenly chorus for all eternity. And it might be as, as I mean, I guess not complex, but just there might be more to it in terms of um, farming or, you know, building a home 
for my church family, you know, like whatever that looks like. I, I, you know, we, we get into the limits of what we're able to sort of think about, but that's kind of what I think in terms of job stuff is it's like, well, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not opposed to the idea of there needing to be somebody to build the railroad tracks for us to get from, you know, new Jerusalem to new New York to, New London, you <laughs> New know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and that, that, that brings up some other good questions that I had because I had thought, well, will we have cars? Will we have trains? Will we have modes of transportation? Will we walk everywhere? Can we teleport? I mean, I, I, I want to think that we won't be able to teleport. Um, but if we have those things, like you're saying, will they be in need of maintenance? Because a car or a horse or a horse and buggy, whatever thing you want to like picture as like your mode of transportation in the time period in which you live, in some sense requires upkeep. Uh, but is that necessarily a bad thing in the new heavens mm-hmm. and the new earth? Um, so, you know, I think that one just sort of falls into that. Like, yeah. uh, will we have transit? Obviously, there's no way to say. Uh, but I do think that we'll be able to traverse this world to, to travel, um, to, to remain in perfect fellowship with the Lord. Um, but another another thing that that sort of comes up here, so we've already talked about the tree that will be in the the new Jerusalem with 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 fruit. Um, what are we gonna say about things like cannabis or uh, tobacco? So these things that in our world today are naturally derived, but are used in ways that are perhaps in some lights negative um, or just you know they they produce effects that maybe go beyond that which is natural um so what do we what what do you think about that what do you think about the idea of like tobacco and cannabis will will it exist mm. if it does will it produce the same sort of things that it produces now just kind of curious yeah, what your thoughts I mean, are in our notes we also have like in this same ki- like kind of category we also have like alcohol which which has a similar sort of effect where it's this natural substance that we're told in scripture God has given us. Um, yeah. But it, it obviously has horrific uh, uh, damage that it causes or, or that it can cause when it's used improperly. Um, and, you know, Jesus tells the disciples, I'm not going to drink the fruit of the vine with you again until I drink it with you in, in, uh, I forget the exact phrase, but, until I drink it in the new heavens and the new earth with you. So it seems to be from the mouth of Jesus that at that marriage supper, we're going to be enjoying um, the, the way that the disciples were at the Passover. I mean, it was a very, that was a very sad Passover, I guess, but they were having a feast with him, you know, the Passover feast. Um, and part of that was obviously wine. Like there is at most feasts, you know, big holiday gatherings and things like that, like, you know, and across cultures, you know, wine and, and other like, um, celebratory alcoholic drinks is, is a very pretty universal human experience. And um, so I'll, I'll just interject real quick. Yeah. Uh, so that, that verse you mentioned is yeah, Mark, yeah. Uh, Mark fourteen twenty five, And Jesus says, truly, truly, I tell you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Yeah. And, and so I think it's safe to say, because it's literally what he says that there will be wine in heaven. Cause that's what he's talking about. Like that's the, you know, um, and what I, I think that that does have a bearing on something like tobacco, which is a plant that God created 
or evolved from something God created, whatever, you know, we're inclusive on this show. We have all, <laughs> all manner of opinions are welcome here, but you know, we, it, it is a, it is a naturally occurring plant that, uh, you know, when manipulated and consumed a certain way produces certain physiological effects based on a chemical that's in it. Right. Like that's all, it, it, it's, it's very natural. And that was it, very like, scientific of you. <laughs> it, it, it's and it, it is very scientific. Like it can yeah. be what what I should say. I don't want to de. I never want to de spiritualize things. But what I should say is it can be explained very scientifically because it is part of the natural world. You know, mm-hmm. as as we as we call it the natural world or whatever. And and so like, I, I have a hard time saying like, oh yeah, like you know, like all these beautiful things that God created, these beautiful like oak trees and, and um, you know, flowers that bloom in the spring and, and the magnificent oceans that God created and, and you know, all these natural wonders, um, they're going to be there except not, you know, the process of fermentation or, mm. you know, the cannabis plant or the tobacco plant or, or you know, the, uh, I don't remember the name, the, the, but like the ayahuasca plant you know, like these psychedelic substances that are actually just natural flowers and plants and mushrooms and stuff. Like, yeah, because those things have certain effects that make me uncomfortable or that are outright dangerous and bad. Um, God's just gonna, you know, miraculously change their biochemistry so that, you know, now it won't have an effect on us. I don't believe that's true, you know. And with so are, you, like, are you saying? Are you saying we could do shrooms to the glory of God in the new, the new kingdom? Well, let me put it this way: if we can do shrooms in the kingdom, <laughs> it would be to the glory of God because exactly, yeah. it would be the new heavens and new earth. Okay, you know, fair. Ever, you know, fair. I don't. I'm not saying that we're going to be able to do shrooms in the kingdom of God. However, I don't think that there's a very clear argument for these things that are natural to suddenly not be there, you know, unless we want to say that like, it's actually, there's actually going to be a great deal of discontinuity with the, with the flora and fauna of the new heavens and new earth compared to our earth, which might be possible, you know, like maybe, maybe, maybe there will be beautiful trees and animals, but they're all going to be different, right? That we've never seen before. That we've never seen or dreamed of, or, you know, Mm. completely new or or some kind of new, you know, glorified, better version of an oak tree or something like that. And and then glorified cannabis. Oh man. And and then in that case, you know, (laughs) maybe, maybe if we're, if we're operating from that perspective, maybe we say, oh, the glorified psilocybin mushroom or the glorified cannabis plant uh doesn't have those effects on the human brain that that are detrimental or or i guess possibly detrimental or whatever but i mean we certainly won't be pursuing we won't have any need to pursue psychoactive substances when we're beholding the beatific vision <laughs> which we beyond. don't which yeah. we don't get to do now yeah. so i'm not saying it's justified i'm just saying i i from a very even, e- but human perspective do... i can't i can't deny the appeal of yeah. a of some kind of transcendent experience uh coming from a mushroom you know what i mean um well, i just you know have the don't stop there have the real thing Go to church, right. have a real transcendent experience, but that's a different conversation, I think. Um, no, but you bring up a yeah. good point. 
that's a really good point and and one even if we can do or use those things <laughs> it's not done so sinfully so we don't go to those uh, out of a sin- sinful inclination like people might today two i'm not i'm not saying don't get me wrong i am not saying go do shrooms go smoke weed uh to give you a glimpse into the transcendent beatific vision that we're going to behold one day i'm not saying that but i had never really thought about that fact that the uh, some of the things that these these substances do to our brain uh chemically we are going to experience in actuality without them. Like we are going to be just in complete awe and amazement and just have breath taken away when we, when we behold our savior. Show, showing some of my, you know, keep Christianity weird type cards. I think that psychedelics are literal spiritual experiences. Like you hear mm. people, you know, like you, you listen to like the Joe Rogan show and he's talking about these you know, geometric beings made of, what does he say? He always says the same thing, like like geometric beings made of love and, and happiness or something like that, or love and, and, and sharing or something. Like, I I am inclined to believe, and I think this is worthy of, 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 a, of an episode, psychedelics. I, I think I'm inclined to believe that the beings that people report encountering on psychedelic trips are real. Hmm. I, I don't think that they're necessarily good guys. They might be. <laughs> I, I hope for for the, for the sake of for the sake of everyone meeting them. I hope they're good, but I'm not. I'm not convinced they are. Yeah. But I, I I don't think that there is a simply neurological uh, explanation of something like a DMT trip um, and what people see or experience or take from it, and that doesn't translate to okay, well, what does the ayahuasca plant do in the new earth? Is it, is, it, is it exactly the same and just no one wants to use it? I mean, maybe. Is it exactly the same, but our bodies are different, so it doesn't affect us in the same way, so it doesn't have any possible negative or sinful effect? That works. Uh, does, it, does it cease to exist? Maybe. I, I don't see a real reason to think that. That sort of just seems like a that's a convenient explanation, you know, like, well, you know, drugs, I, dr- there's no place for drugs in, in the new heavens and the new earth when we're in perfect communion with God and the beatific vision fully divinized. Yeah, there's no place for drugs. Does that mean all psychoactive substances that are natural just cease to exist? Or does that mean that we change in such a way that our relationship to them, whether biologically or just through our behavior with them changes i I don't know um obviously i don't know (laughs) i mean i know very little but i certainly don't know any of the answers to what we're talking about at this point (laughs) which we have waded very far afield into an amazingly interesting little side canal of this river i'm I'm loving this i want to come back to psychedelics specifically but i think we should move on for the sake of 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 today yeah um uh, to to maybe some other things that we can we can think about. Um, so I guess like you know we, we we can think about like what what the natural world is going to be like you know different plants and stuff like that and when you know we've touched a little bit on on plants maybe less so on animals but what I think is is you know more interesting than just will there be animals in heaven because I think my answer would be yes and my big answer for that would be there are animals in Eden you know like it it, it wasn't 
It wasn't weird for there to be animals in Eden. You know, they had a role to play in the pre-fall work and life of mankind because, you know, they were there when man was created and they didn't just, like, appear after the fall, you know. But what's maybe more interesting is, is will my pet be in heaven? And again... I feel the need to say yes because I want uh, it to be true. <laughs> I know, I know. And that's so. As as someone who was a youth pastor for a considerable amount of time, I got this question all the time. And and you sort of mentioned, you know, in the beginning of this episode, how this is th- this whole conversation is sort of th- these are the things that come up. Like I, I would literally hand out questionnaires of like, what things do you want to learn about? What are things that you know, you want to know, know more about theologically, biblically, etc. And I would always get questions like this: like, will my he- will my cat be in heaven? Will my, um, you know, will we ha- will will we be married? Whatever. And and, and on the one hand, it's real it's really fascinating because kids don't really have um, a filter yet. Depending on the age, like sixth and seventh graders, like they'll ask like what's truly on their mind. They do not censor like a lot of adults do and so you're getting like this is this is real to them even if you might sort of laugh or scoff or think it's a little silly like these are the things that they care most about um and so when i would get this question and i know like even i've talked to family members about this and i have my own rationale as we've already said i think there are going to be animals i like your idea of like just fantastical animals that we've never seen before you know i'm picturing like (laughs) i'm picturing um like the space trilogy when when they go to the other planets and there's just these other creatures you know going to this place where we you know we see snuffleupagus and we're like wow that thing (laughs) i've never seen before or whatever um but I personally, as much as it saddens me to say this, sitting six feet from one of my cats, I'm not sure that every single one of our pets will be in heaven. I mean, when, so, and again, this is sort of just my conjecture, but in the new heavens, in the new earth, are there limits? Is the earth like the same size? Is it bigger? Does it contain more? But when you consider, like, the number of people alone that are going to be in glory, you know, the billions of people, I have to imagine, um, if we then start filling the world with all of the pets that have ever existed, is it every single pet, even people's pets who are not in heaven? Like, are we, you know, is is Sparky and, uh, you know, little hamster dude to, you know, the the neighbor next door in Toy Story going to be in in heaven, right? So, like... (laughs) If if our pets are in heaven, I mean, imagine somebody who over the course of their life had, you know, 13 dogs and 20 cats because, you know, you lived 100 years and pets have much shorter lifespans. Are you just going to like, are you, well, who gets the pet? Like, do, are you going to live with your parents? Like, so, like, you know, mom, dad, and Jens and, and JD live under the same roof with all of our wives too. And then like every single pet that every single one of us has ever owned. Like, what if, what if two people owned a pet? So... I know I'm just like it's it's getting a little it's getting a little out there. Um, but even if we just want to think that okay, our pet isn't gonna live in our abode with us, think about the number of pets that would just like fill the earth. The number, the sheer number of cats, the sheer number of dogs alone, and we're not even talking about gazelle and um, 
lions and tigers and bears and uni- unicorns and whatever else we encounter. So, like, that's why I'm inclined to say that we will not have, you know, my, my cat right here, Spruce, who's giving me the side eye. Um, I do not think, like, Spruce, as I see her, will exist uh, eternally. However, I do think there will so be cats. I, I, it is sad, but on the other hand, we will not experience sadness in glory. We will not be uh, brought to tears. And so when ergo, we get there, our ergo, cats will be there. <laughs> well, that's one logic. Or we get there and there are other creatures yeah. that we bond and connect with. And with that, with the, in that, yeah. Right, and and, and yeah. so th- that's that's my inclination. That's yeah. that's my rationale and, and logic in the matter. Um, I certainly am open to being wrong because I want my cats, both these two cats that I currently live with, but also the cat from my childhood, Joey, named affectionately after Joey Tribbiani. I want Joey <laughs> Tribbiani to be in heaven. Yeah, the in cat, more ways than the one. cat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's so tough because it's like, obviously, everything you just said makes sense. And I could come up with an answer to any of those good reasons that, you know, could work. But, but, you know, who knows if it if it really has any basis in any kind of reality. But it it is it is interesting, you know, to, to think about like, so like, obviously, like a cat or a dog or, you know, a hamster or whatever, like, they're, they're not a person, you know, they're certainly not, they're obviously not a human and like they're not a person in the way that, that humans are because they're not made in the image of God the way that humans are, but we're not, we're not, but, but like even, even, even that being said, it, it's so bizarre to me, the, like an individual cat, you know, cats are, you know, in, in the scale of like the animal kingdom, you know, compared to like bugs and snakes and what, like they're pretty smart, but like, you know. They're not, like, they're not rational creatures like humans. But, like, when I go, you know, look at, you know, go to my friend's house and they have a cat and I come home and I have a cat. Like, cats have, like, personalities and likes and dislikes. And they know you and not other people. And, like, it's weird, you know, to, like, to think about, like, what does it mean for, like, what is this cat or this dog or whatever, like, what is it thinking about right now? <laughs> like, it's it's weird, and I have to, I have to say that like, like, they have some kind of soul. You know, Aristotle talked about plant souls and animal souls and rash like these different levels of souls. So like, you know, I think I think like my cat definitely has a soul. What that means, I don't really know, but like. He has his own like individual existence. It's not like every cat is just just acts identically, you know, and just fulfills like cat stuff, you know, robotically. But like each cat does it in its own way, you know. So there's mm. this there's this catness, Everdeen. this cat ness <laughs> that is that is shared. But there's still these individual cats that are unique, yeah. which is mm. so weird to, to try to be explained, like to try to break this down is just kind of like bizarre (laughs) but but so i don't know how that translates to the relationship of you know my cat's cat soul to god to the new heavens and new earth you know like uh, on one level which i think is in some ways maybe just 
it's a little more poetic um, of a way to, to think and talk. But on some level, you know, I believe that I believe that like my pets that I've had and, and the animals I encounter, like they they're praising God, you know, like the heavens declare the glory of God and, and, and they are groaning with all of creation for the day when the sons of God will be revealed, you know, like, like I, ha- I, I believe that because they are part of creation. Yeah. I don't know what that means for their eternal state, if there is one. Um, and if you've listened to our podcast, you've actually heard Lucas's cat groaning in the background, you know, over creation. He, he literally will walk around and he likes to, uh, it, if you're, if you're on my, uh, on my snapchat streak list which is very few people but they all probably one or two of them listen to this podcast the other one's Mm. on the podcast but um you've seen the many times he's joined me for morning prayer (laughs) yep yeah i mean yeah he's right there with you reading reading the the bcp um well i think I think we should start descending out of this episode. I am okay. really enjoying this conversation because yeah. it, it is just fascinating. I thought this was going to be a short episode, and we no. and, and we just got going. Like, it's just so and it good. could keep it could keep going. And yeah. but I, I want to touch on one more um, because we, we've talked a little bit about being embodied in in the new heavens and the new earth. We're we're, we're going to um, so it, if we die before Christ comes again, our our soul leaves the body and, and goes to be with the Lord, but at the resurrection, we are united in some sense with uh, our body, where we're recognized because Jesus was recognized. Um, in some sense, also, Jesus bore uh, the marks on his hands from his crucifixion. So if Jesus still contains these, uh, you know, the, 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 the holes where the nails were driven into his flesh, what does that say about tattoos? What, what does that say about, uh, you know, so on my body, I currently have like something like 10 tattoos. My wife has even more. So in the new heavens, will we have our tattoos? Will, uh, will those of us who, not me personally, but will those of us who maybe have some explicit, um, quote unquote, un, uh, maybe inappropriate tattoos, will those be censored if we do have tattoos? Will it, will it not matter? Uh, will we just not have tattoos? So our glorified bodies are, are the slate is wiped clean. Um, I'm curious what you think. I mean, especially when we consider the fact that the disciples put their fingers through Christ's hands, what does that say about, uh, about the body and how it exists? Does that mean that perhaps somebody that lived this life without a leg is going to go into glory without a leg? I don't know. I feel like I want to say that everybody's going to have these glorified bodies that work as they should, that function as they should. So I will no longer have diabetes because it's going to be just ripped to shreds uh, in the the fiery furnace. And I will live forever being able to enjoy sugar and bread in glory, right? (laughs) Um, So yeah, but what does that say about tattoos? I'm curious. I mean, it seems like the, the, the fact that the glorified Christ is scarred seems to tell me that there's no physical reason that tattoos will somehow be erased in glory, right? There, there's no, like, physical consequence of of uh, our glorification that results in tattoos, you know, being washed away or falling off or being, you know, somehow altered. Like, like in terms of just, like, the physical side of it there doesn't seem to be any necessity that 
physical wounds are automatically healed because Christ's physical wounds, or at least, well, yeah, you know, even as I'm saying this, I've never thought about this. What about his back? Is it clean or is it, I mean, obviously like it's intact. Like I have, right. I, you know, the descriptions I've read of like what flogging before crucifixion was like, I, I think like it's likely that his, his like internal organs were exposed. Like, like sure, we're talking yeah. like um, immensely brutal violence, but like, so it, like, it, like it's intact in the sense that like, he's not walking around and his intestines are falling out of his back or something disgusting like that. But, but like, he has like we we know he has the wounds in his hands and his side. Um, I I don't know that we're told whether or not his back is scarred, right? Hmm. I don't um, think so. We're not told that. Yeah, and and so like maybe maybe it's less about the physical results of glorification, and there's it's more about what the what those wounds mean to why he had them when he appeared to his disciples, and 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 you know, as a result, I safe to say continues to have them um, so wait well w- yeah. one real quick question though just like so w- we we talk a lot about the road to emmaus the disciples did not recognize the person they were with as they walked because jesus chose to somehow conceal himself so whether that means he was just you know wearing some sort of garments so he was like undetectable and they didn't recognize his voice uh, we obviously can only conjecture mm-hmm. um or does christ this is gonna. This might be getting a little out there. Can Christ almost like shape shift and appear to be something he's not? So like when he let them put their fingers in his in his wounds, was that more like symbolic of that like just evidence that he, it was him, and that's not how he is forevermore? Or does the the God Man permanently have holes in his hands? Yeah, I I think he permanently does. You know, in Revelation seven nine one of the, i don't know somewhere in there um <laughs> that the the it talks about like worshiping the lamb or, or maybe it's when he's coming to open the seals i can't remember but like he, he one comes who has the appearance of a lamb who has been slain you yeah. know um you know we don't live in a culture that that sacrifices animals religiously and we don't work in you know, any kind of uh, uh, agriculture or, you know, raising uh, sheep for slaughter. So so neither of us have firsthand experience what that looks like, but I don't think it's, you know, like clean. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't think it's like uh, wound-free. Um, and obviously John knew that it had been slain. Um, so, you know, we, we can press, we can take Revelation's imagery too literally, obviously, in certain places, but to avoid taking it too literally, I don't think means we have to pretend we can just disregard all of it and just make it say whatever we want. So I think there's something to the fact that the lamb who appears looks like it has been slain, you know, because it is Jesus who has been slain as the lamb of God to take away the sin of, you know, like there, that is part of his identity, you know, like that is his, you know, his uh, office as priest and prophet and king they they are they are fulfilled in his crucifixion and his and his his slaying so yeah i don't know like i i'm not in, I, I don't see any necessity that my tattoos will just will just miraculously disappear 
I don't see any tragedy if that happens. Um, and I think that what's interesting when thinking about the wounds of Christ is for those people who suffer from disability, who suffer from wounds that they have received um, that have left tangible marks on their body, you know, the, the other people who have been crucified, the thief on the cross, you know, he's got those wounds too. Um, obviously they don't mean the same thing as, as Jesus's do for the world, but like he has those wounds. He experienced that wounding, you know, um, you, you know, um, I don't know if she would be annoyed if I said this, but you know, my wife has four fingers on her right hand. Like does, does that go away? You, you know, like just, just because that's not, um, quote unquote, you know, the way it was intended in terms of like, you know, our genes and everything are, are, you know, designed to grow five fingers on each hand. And, you know, sometimes things happen so it doesn't work out that way. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that her like identity is determined by the fact that she has four fingers on one hand, but I don't think that it takes away from her identity. So I don't think it needs to be quote unquote fixed in the new heavens yeah. and the new earth, but I don't think that it can't be right. And That's I don't, true. I don't mean yeah. can't as in like God's not strong enough, but I just mean like, I can't think of a theological reason why she needs to have five fingers or why she needs to only have the four that she lives with now. Like, I don't think either one of those are like necessary based yeah. on what we know about our glorified state, which relates to the question of tattoos in, in the connection to wounds um, and the fact that Christ does have wounds. And the question I think comes down to, is that some sort of statement about the physicality of our bodies being glorified? Like our transformation doesn't result in some kind of completely radically new version of ourselves, you know, because they did know it was Christ and he did have those wounds. Hmm. Uh, and on the Mount of Transfiguration, the ones that were with him, they knew who Moses and Elijah and Jesus were. They weren't like, that's, oh, I see these three, point. these three people. And, I, and I, you know, I don't know which one. Is, I know Jesus is one of them because he brought us up here, but I don't know which one he is. You know, like, like, and in that moment, they were witnessing the glorified Christ, you know, hmm. um, as well as I would argue the glorified Elijah and, and Moses, I think. Yeah. Or, or maybe, or at least partially glorified, you know, I don't know. But um, it sounds like they were at least partially glorified. Um, but anyway, that's kind of a rambly way to, to get at it. Like, I I don't know. Like, I don't really, I wouldn't, ex if, you know, if I died tonight and woke up, you know, I wouldn't expect to be missing my tattoos anytime soon. But like I said, I don't, I, I, I guess I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be like a, a huge surprise if they were gone either, you know? Yeah, same. That's That's kind of where I'm at. I don't have like any definitive answers, but... Uh, I have one final question. I don't want your answer. I'm not going to give an answer myself. This just came to me in this conversation. In glory, will we all be naked? <laughs> Dwell on that one, folks, as you have as we wind out of this episode. Um, talk about it with your pastor. Talk about it with all your friends. Yeah. Will we be naked in glory? Because Adam and Eve were naked before the fall. Um, anyway. <laughs> So, yes, uh, this, is, this has been fun. I want to almost do part two someday, but uh, we'll close with a word of prayer. We haven't had any prayers for a while because we've been talking about heresy, um, but now that we're back into our regularly scheduled programming, let's, let's conclude. 
Yeah, and, and it starts by saying, oh, this is the Valley of Vision, by the way. It says, O thou most high, creator of the ends of the earth, governor of the universe, judge of all men, head of the church, savior of sinners, thy greatness is unsearchable, thy goodness infinite, thy compassions unfailing, thy providence boundless, thy mercies ever new. We bless thee for the words of salvation. How important, suitable, encouraging are the doctrines, promises, and invitations of the gospel of peace. We are lost, but in it thou hast presented to us a full, free, and eternal salvation. Weak, but here we learn that help is found in one that is almighty. Poor, but in him we discover unsearchable riches. Blind, but we find that he has treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We thank thee for thy unspeakable gift. Thy Son is our only refuge, foundation, hope, and confidence. We depend upon his death, rest in his righteousness, desire to bear his image. May his glory fill our minds, his love reign in our affections, his cross inflame us with ardor. Let us as Christians fill our various situations in life, uh, escape the snares to which they expose us, discharge the duties that arise from our circumstances, enjoy with moderation their advantages, improve with diligence their usefulness, and may every place and company we are in be benefited by us. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, we're on Twitter at Doxology Podcast. We're also available by email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, ideas for future episodes. What do you think is going to be you know, in heaven that we've talked about? Do you agree with us, disagree? We'd love to hear. Um, yeah, that'll, that'll do it for today, and until next time. <laughs>